AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Welcome to AOA on this Wednesday. I'm Mike Pearson sitting in for Mike Adams, and we've got a lot to talk about today. Michael Dolch, the Director of Policy for Iowa Soybeans, will be joining us in just a few minutes to explain what policy issues he's keeping an eye on and what his membership is curious about as the year moves forward. In the next segment, we'll be joined by Arlen Suderman. We're going to talk about these markets. There's a lot happening, and Arlen's going to help us make sense of it all. In the third segment, we are going to look at the retail prices of protein. We've seen a lot of movement this past year, and Gary Morrison from Erner Berry will be on to help take a look at what all is happening at the grocery store and at restaurants. And finally, Don Beatty from Nebraska will give us a harvest update on how things are looking outside Lexington, Nebraska, before we end the show. Well, let's jump right in. We're going to talk first, as I mentioned, with Michael Dolch from Iowa Soybean. He is the Director of Policy there. Michael, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Well, let's talk about what is going on, Michael. There's a lot happening in Washington, D.C. There's a lot happening in Iowa. What's the biggest issue you're tracking right now as we move into uh, the winter season? Yeah, you bet, Mike. And, you know, as farmers are in the field, making good progress in the field, I'm actually going to marry up a couple quick issues that we've been paying attention to and working on over the last several months as they've geared up to go to the field and actually work in the field, uh, those involving infrastructure and tax provisions. Uh, so as you know, um, Iowans and rural Americans and farmers, you know, have been crippled by aging infrastructure. It hinders their ability uh, to move their product um, from field to market in a really cost-effective manner. Uh, therefore, ISA and our farmer members and advocates have been really engaged um, in the bipartisan infrastructure package at the federal level, which would provide historic, and not only historic, but meaningful investments in Iowa's physical infrastructure uh, that includes, Mike, roads and bridges, waterways and railroads. So we've been really aggressive uh, getting in front of our lawmakers, our policymakers, uh, to stress the importance and the investment in the future of soy competitiveness for our farmers. Uh, but with that, um, we've seen some of these proposals come with uh, harmful tax provisions and maybe changes to tax policy. Uh, so we've been aggressively opposing any harmful funding mechanisms and changes to tax provisions that would negatively impact, you know, the generational transfer of family farms here in Iowa. Michael, both of those issues, the tax policy, which is coming in the reconciliation bill and the infrastructure bill have seemingly stalled out in Washington, D.C. As you're hearing about these negotiations uh, between the various factions of the Democratic Party trying to get this stuff across the finish line, do you have hope that either of these things is going to get accomplished? You know, we do. And, you know, our farmers are optimistic by nature, and therefore I'm optimistic by nature in just conversation with them and working alongside with them, visiting with our represented elected officials. Um, you know, our focus has really been on that bipartisan infrastructure package and bill. Um, obviously, there were, you know, arrangements and negotiations made that we would see, or lawmakers would see a vote on that here sometime in October, late October. Um, we've still got 
10 days of October left on the calendar. I'm optimistic that uh, they can find some uh, common ground and, you know, remove the hurdles and, and make a vote on that. Um, but obviously, in the meantime, uh, continue to just stress the importance of that um, historic and meaningful infrastructure. Um, oftentimes, here in Iowa specifically, soybeans will spend the first 10 to 20 miles out of the field on a semi-truck and the last 10 to 20 miles on a semi-truck uh, to their final destination. So uh, it's certainly important to upgrade uh, rivers, uh, excuse me, roads, bridges, any sort of uh, surface transportation infrastructure uh, here across Iowa. Michael, do we have a sense for how many dollars uh, a state like Iowa might be receiving in this infrastructure bill, or does it have to go through the House first? Yeah, and that would be something worked out um, in the House. You know, specifically, the bill would provide $110 billion in funding for roads and bridges. It's really hard to say how much of that money would trickle to Iowa. However, um, it's been said um, anywhere from 10 to 12 billion in some of the states that have uh, deteriorating, uh, crippling infrastructure. Um, so I'd like to think that Iowa would receive a large portion of that. Um, however, again, Mike, that's subject to uh, further conversations. Um, there'll be rules and regs that accompany bills like this as well. Um, so time will time will certainly tell. Well, I think that's a really good point. The rules and regs that come after these things make it off Capitol Hill, that can take some time. When you're looking at a project like this infrastructure bill, Michael, how long, let's assume they get it passed here by the end of October, they hit their deadline. How long until those dollars actually start getting out to the states and we start moving dirt on the ground to get things done? Sure. And, you know, I'll use the, the farm bill as an example. Every five years, Congress uh, negotiates uh, and approves a farm bill or thereabouts. Um, they'll spend the first, you know, year or two uh, writing rules, regs, and implementing that bill um, to go into effect. Uh, now, that's a large and comprehensive package. So when you look at an infrastructure bill, let's take the bipartisan infrastructure bill, you know, it could take as few as a couple, two, three months, but it could take up to six to eight months to, to really you know, put pen to paper on some of the rules and regs. Uh, and again, that's up to interpretation for those regulators um, with anything passed by Congress. So the work's not done when Congress approves it. Um, our farmers will be engaged with the agencies uh, that have jurisdiction over these provisions, whether it's DOT, uh, USDA, uh, and even in some cases EPA in this, in this bill. Let's talk about the reconciliation and the tax policy changes that you have been keeping a really close eye on. I know they're up in the air right now, but there was some chatter that the step up in basis being eliminated is gone. Michael, in these negotiations happening in D.C., are we still confident that we're not going to see any change to step up in basis on this bill? You know, more confident in recent weeks than we have been um, previously. However, we're certainly not out of the woods yet. Um, as with anything um, with Congress, um, changes can happen overnight, seemingly. Um, you know, those changes around stepped-up basis, you know, decreasing ag producers' ability to really effectively manage their federal tax burden could be very, very detrimental. Um, so, again, we're not out of the woods yet on that. Um, and in addition to the, you know, stepped-up basis provisions that we've been fighting against, you know, trying to preserve those 1031 like kind exchanges, um, you know, allowing farmers to swap similar assets uh, to help maintain their cash flow. Um, 
so again, we're you know working around the clock, keeping keeping ear to the ground and our eyes open to make sure that um, those don't get uh, air dropped in overnight um, or anything uh, being negotiated uh, here in late October. Lots of things to keep an eye on. It is certainly a tough job watching everything that's happening in Washington, D.C. Michael Dolt from the Iowa Soybean Association. Thanks for taking the time this morning to talk to us and fill us in on what you're keeping an eye on. You bet. Thanks so much, Mike. And folks, stay with us when Adams on Agriculture returns. I'll be talking to Arlen Suderman about what all is going on in these markets as soybeans continue their rally. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a bit. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return. And success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. 
Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. AOA, Mike Pearson sitting in today for Mike Adams. We're going to be talking in this segment with Arlen Suderman of Stone X. We're seeing a lot of green on the markets today so far. Arlen's going to give us some insight. Arlen, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Hey, it's great to be back with you, Mike. Before we dive into today's movements, I want to ask you a little more broadly. We keep hearing reports that inflation might be less than transitory, might be here to stay. And I wanted to get your opinion. Is that pulling outside money, that fund money, into ag commodities? Or are they mainly sticking in the energies and the metals so far? No, it is benefiting the ags as well. Now, the real story is in the energies, but ags are benefiting as well. And part of the spillover connection has been in the edible oils with the energy prices going so high. And in some parts of the world, we have record high coal prices and natural gas prices that we've hit here recently, um, although not today. Um, that's putting more focus on these renew, renewable fuels that are made out of the edible oils. So demand for these edible oils has been going up. We're opening up some new processes, processors that utilize them here in the United States. We've started to open up some of these new plants and will continue to do so over the next several months. That's increasing demand. That's providing support for the oilseed complex and also kind of pulling in the rest of ag as well. Now, wheat has its own fundamental story with tight stocks uh, among the major exporters of milling quality wheat, so that's providing some support as well. And then corn finds support from the fact that input costs are so high. Again, part of the inflation story that the trade is trading with input costs being so high, the fear that we're going to see reduced corn production next year, not just here in the United States, but globally because of high prices for fertilizer and other inputs, as well as shortages of those products. Well, as we're talking input prices in the corn market, South America is probably going to be the next place to get that corn in the ground. Arlen, are we yet talking about a decline in corn acres in Brazil and Argentina? The, the expectation is that they still want to expand production there because it is so profitable to the, for them to do so. The currency exchange rates uh, make it very profitable for them to export corn and soybeans. So they, they grow corn on their soybean acres primarily after they harvest their soybeans and they turn around and plant the second crop of corn. That's where the majority of their corn production is. So they can expand acreage of both. Now, it still requires the inputs. The real concern, while there have been some reports of shortages of inputs um, for farmers trying to plant the first crop corn, um, the real concern is the second crop this this winter, which would be, well, I guess, uh, our uh, their second crop, which they grow in their winter time. And... Uh, that could reduce exportable supplies next year. So that's their fear right now. And of course, very similar fear that U.S. farmers have as well. 
It certainly is. I've heard it from a lot of folks. I want to circle back to the edible oils. It's noted that soy oil today would be its sixth consecutive day of gains. Arlen and palm oil, it's been said, is leading the way. Can you tell us a little bit about the palm oil market and how it relates to soybeans? Well, it's really demand for all the above, so to speak, because as we're looking at these plants that are scheduled to open up, they feed off these edible oils. Now, the bulk of them in the United States lean heaviest on soy oil, but also they'll utilize other oils as well. But that pulls away from the global supply. Most of the plants are here in the United States, but that tightens the global supply situation. And so palm oil is part of that equation. Um, and uh, so that's why it's been pushing higher. And some of it is simply money driving it. And that's the true of canola oil as well. And I should mention that corn oil that comes from our ethanol plants, where they're able to separate out the corn oil, it probably has higher value than the soy oil. And it can be used for these edible oils as well. I might indicate there was a recent article that came out in the, in the ag media saying that we could see the need for an additional 30 million acres of soybeans in the next three years to meet this demand. And I want to put that in a little bit of perspective. Yes, the demand is great going forward as we've projected out to 2028, a deficit of edible oils to make these fuels based on the plants that are being built. But we have seen plants that are opening now and over the next few months, there are some plants that were scheduled to open down the road that have put their plans kind of on hold to see how it goes with these early plants. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves on how fast this is going to unfold. We still expect it to go forward, but at a little bit slower pace to allow things to work together. But the other factor is if we would need more uh, enough oil to necessitate 30 million more o acres of soybeans over the next 30 years, that means we'd have to increase our crush capacity by 70% over the next three years. That's not going to happen. And that's another reason why some of the processing plant plans are being delayed a little bit because all the pieces of this have to come together in order to make it work. So the, we're probably getting ahead by saying 30 million over the next three years, but we do see this as a significant development uh, driving the demand for more soybeans and other edible oils to produce, be produced in the years ahead. Well, Arlen, you mentioned the corn oil coming out of ethanol plants. And this last week, we saw ethanol production at a 13-week high. Can you tell us how margins are looking at ethanol plants? Are they staying pretty strong? Yeah, the margins are driving the production and uh, that we're uh, really on the cusp of record production here, just below that level. Um, so that's been a positive, particularly since we've seen the new crop corn become available. That uh, tends to weaken the basis offers. It tends to give a little better quality and a little better yield. And uh, so that has been very good for the ethanol plants. Well, we've got corn uh, corn and soybean harvest running well ahead of schedule. Arlen, we're 10% roughly ahead of uh, the five-year pace on corn. We're you know 5% ahead on soybeans. Is that something uh, that, that you're keeping an eye on? Is that influencing the trade's uh, money flow? 
Uh, it is because once you get halfway through the harvest, the trade tends to feel like, okay, we have a pretty good handle on the size of the crop. Let's focus on the demand side. So when you have China buying soybeans, you have ethanol production on the cusp of record highs. Um, those types of demand factors uh, tend to be used as an excuse to support prices. And, and so the markets are trying to carve out a harvest low. We haven't confirmed those harvest lows yet. Um, but that's what they're attempting to do right now. There is some concern going forward that we could see some harvest delays in some areas with some rains over the next few weeks. So any progress we're able to make, we're certainly going to take advantage of that. I know the corn with the weak corn stocks, we really um, there's a focus particularly east of the Mississippi on trying to get corn out as quickly as possible. That is true. Arlen, export sales coming out tomorrow from the USDA at 7.30 in the morning. What are your expectations? Well, the expectation, again, is going to be focused on soybeans and uh, big purchases by, uh, by China. We had a couple of big announcements on Thursday and Friday, a little bit of an unusual announcement. On Friday, we had two big sales to unknown destinations, and, and one of them was actually a compilation of sales for the previous week that they had all added together, and that is expected to be in Thursday sale as well. Corn, we expect to be good, kind of seasonal levels, nothing overly impressive, but uh, still showing some solid demand there. Uh, the main thing we need to do is we need to get things shipped, as we lost about four weeks of shipment time with the ports of New Orleans being shut down after Hurricane Ida, and we need to make up for that lost time. Need to close a deficit of about 100 million bushels for both corn corn and soybeans. Thanks to keep an eye on Arlen. You mentioned the tight wheat stocks picture. It seemed the wheat actually has had a bull story for quite a little bit. Give us your update. Where do you think wheat goes from here? Well, as we look at the wheat market, uh, the mills are basically buying just in time and, and still have some short coverage, and they need to extend coverage. So every time we get a break in the price, they're coming in to buy. And I anticipate this is probably going to continue to be the case uh, until we start improving the supply situation among the major exporters. So we have our eyes right now on southern hemisphere production as well, some of the dryness being developing in the Black Sea region as we prepare to go into the winter. Those are two concerns. We've got dryness in Argentina and dryness in the Black Sea. I look at that Minneapolis spring wheat December contract right now. It's getting pretty close to $10. Arlen, will it get there? Yeah, uh, that's the big question. It seems to be really targeting it. That's where the momentum is going. Um, and uh, oftentimes momentum becomes uh, self-fulfilling in prophecy. But that's the big debate right now. And, and until somebody, something changes that momentum, that seems to be the path of least resistance. Well, we'll continue to follow the markets. And we always appreciate Arlen Suderman's thoughts. Arlen from Stonex, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. And folks, stay with us. When we return, we'll go down the grocery store aisles with Gary Morrison of Erner Berry and learn what inflation has done to the consumer. Stay with us on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. 
That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Soybean prices began sliding lower after the bearish stock report on September 30th. That downtrend slide continued into the October 12th USDA reports and dug a deeper valley than anticipated. Harvest pressure on beans has been fully absorbed by the buyers as harvest progressed to 60% in the U.S. Corn harvest is still underway and can put pressure on prices if it proceeds rapidly. So far this harvest weather has given growers enough breaks to spread out the pace of deliveries and new sales into the market. On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading two cents higher at 532 and a fraction of a cent. The March contract up a penny and three quarters at 540 and a half cent. For soybeans, the January contract up 13 and a fraction at 1250 and a fraction of a cent. The March contract up 13 and a fraction of a cent at 1259. For wheat, Chicago wheat December up three cents at 739. Kansas City wheat December up a half cent at 7 48 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat December up three and three quarters at 978. The March contract trading four cents higher at 965. In cash cattle country, it's slow to start this morning, but Packer inquiry should improve as the day progresses. Asking prices are around $126 plus in the south and $198 plus in the north. Beef cutouts are expected to be higher with light to moderate box movement. December live cattle trading seven cents higher at 130.10 February, down five at 134.90. For feeder cattle, January trading 40 cents higher at 159.62, March up 27 at 160.37. In lean hogs, the December contract trading two cents lower at 77.37 February, down five at 80.40. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 130 points, the NASDAQ composite up 14, the S&P 500 up 14, the U.S. dollar index is trending lower. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Here we go, folks. Welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Mike Pearson sitting in for Mike Adams on the day. Our next segment, we're going to talk with Gary Morrison. He's a vice president at uh, Erner Berry. He specializes in reporting on the beef industry, particularly boxed beef and beef variety cuts. It has been a wild year this past year. Tell us a little bit about what has happened this past year in the uh, in the fresh beef trade. All right. So, um, you know, we can go back, you know, to the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, even right before the pandemic was the, it was the first black swan event that I call it, um, in August of 2019, um, there was a fire at a Tyson plant, um, that knocked off about five to 6% of production. So that really, um, put a supply shock into the market right when, uh, retailers were buying for that Labor Day period. Um, you know, things started to normalize a little bit, and then you know what happened in 2020. We had um, the COVID-19. Uh, in the initial lockdown, you know, we saw prices jump. Uh, we thought we were going to be home for two weeks. Everyone went out. They stocked up on pretty much everything they can, eggs, chicken, beef, toilet paper, uh, pretty much all the staples, uh, right? And then that extended, you know, throughout the year. Um, and then we had plants shut down um, in March, the end of March, April, May period, um, as more workers were sent home. And that sent um, a demand shock again um, as people went out and, and thought the supply chain was, was broken in, in 2020. Um, you know, fast forward to this year, and um, demand has been really strong uh, for the beef, for beef and, and, and a lot of other proteins as well. And it's driven by, you know, quite a few factors, and we can get into a, a little bit if you, if you want. But um, really what happened, you know, on the, on the retail side is they've passed along some of those um, increases, and, and it's certainly not all of them. And, you know, as we sit at the last report, um, all fresh beef uh, at the retail level is over $7.39 a pound, um, you know, quite a, quite a record and, and quite higher than, than, you know, typically we see and, and, and a lot higher than, you know, you know, previous years. I mean, in fact, you know, we are up, you know, on beef 25% since January 2020, right before the pandemic, and almost 15%, you know, year to date. So kind of growth that the uh, the beef market or the prices have had in the beef market, Gary. And I've heard from a lot of folks that over the past 18 months, consumers have been able to handle these elevated beef prices because they were sitting at home and you know weren't going out. They were you know on lockdown, but also because we had stimulus payments. As you look out to the yeah. future, as these stimulus and the extended unemployment come to an end, uh, how are beef prices going to maintain these levels in the grocery store? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, that's a pretty good um, observation. You know, despite what happened in, in, during the pandemic and the unemployment uh, rate that spiked, uh, typically, you know, those losses in, in jobs were for, you know, lower wage earners. So they were, they were more than made whole by, by government stimulus and unemployment benefits. And those that were able to keep their jobs had more money in their pockets as well. They weren't traveling to the office. They weren't spending money on, on coffee. They weren't taking family vacations. So the personal savings rate in the U.S., which usually, you know, was around seven to to eight percent, you know, typically, um, spiked up to to nearly thirty-five percent, and you know, stayed between fifteen and thirty percent for a long period of time. And the, the biggest driver in, in protein spend, and specifically beef, is the amount of disposable income that that people have in their pot, pot pocket. So the more disposable income, 
the more protein they're going to buy, the higher quality protein that they're going to buy. Um, and that leaves, you know, beef. And, I, you know, I think as you look at it, there's still a high level of demand uh, for high quality beef. And that's, you know, indicative of, of a strong consumer. So people still have some money in their pockets, you know, and while we have had the stimulus uh, go away, I, I think it's still, you know, it's still there. We, we have a lot of money um, in savings. We have a lot of money in, um, you know, people's pockets. Uh, so I think, you know, while the Fed probably says this is, you know, transitory, uh, it's probably going to be a little bit more uh, long left than, than they probably expect. And, you know, throw in the fact that more recently, in October, we had the largest increase in SNAP benefits in, in history. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's not it's not just money now in, in, in weekly paychecks. Now it's monthly food spend. And, and retailers really have not passed along the full, the full pass-through of, of of wholesale prices to the consumers. And right now it's sticky and I, I think they know that. Um, so, you know, it'd be hard pressed to find anything that's going to, going to stop, you know, prices from moving higher until we see the consumer start to really break down and beef the most vulnerable being the most expensive. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that was my next question. As you look ahead to the future, even though demand has been record strong because people have had cash in their pockets, eventually they're going to have to make some decisions when they're standing there at the meat case. Can you talk about uh, what pork might be doing, how poultry is competing? What are some of the other alternate proteins doing while beef has been rallying so much? Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why we haven't seen really a pushback. You know, the other proteins, uh, it's pretty much the same story across the board. Um, the supply shock and the labor issues that have caused, you know, some of the higher prices that we've seen on beef have also uh, spilled over into some of the other things. I mean, you know, pork, you have some really, really high prices as well. I mean, pork is up, you know, pretty much the same on, on the retail counter as, as beef over the same period. I mean, um, if you talk about since, you know, the beginning of the year, beef up a little over 15%, pork's up 14.5%. Um, so, um, what's really driving that on the retail level? The main story is really, you know, bacon, right? Um, oh. So you're having bacon, you know, prices at all times high over seven dollars uh, at the retail level. And again, wow. a lot of that has to do with the labor issues that we've seen. Um, it does. Which yeah, it looks know. like those yeah. might be alleviated slightly here in the short term. Gary, do you see pork prices coming down first, followed by beef prices at the retail level, or or am I looking at it backwards? You know, I, you know, I would think the vulnerabilities on the beef side. I mean, pork, yeah, it's easing a little bit, but I think you know, overall, the whole the whole market's easing. It's just seasonal. After you know Labor Day, we start to see a, a little decline in, in prices um, as the more expensive items are, are traded for the for, for less expensive items. Um, well, lots of things to keep an eye on as we're looking at the meat case. Gary Morrison, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate your insights. Folks, stay with us. When Adams on Agriculture returns, we'll be talking to Don Beatty from Lexington, Nebraska, about harvest is proceeding in her neck of the woods. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92 and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100. 
and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And that's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com. 
Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. Folks, Mike Pearson here sitting in for Mike Adams today. And we are going to be talking next with Don Beatty. Don's a farmer outside Lexington, Nebraska. Don, thanks so much for talking to us today. Well, thank you. It's a good fall morning out here today. Oh, that's good to hear. Don, for our folks who aren't from Nebraska, tell us, where is Lexington? Lexington is um, almost smack dab in the middle of the state. It's on the Platte River right along Interstate 80. We're about halfway east and west in the state. Well, give us an update. I know you were in the field running in soybeans. How were yields shaping up? Yeah, we finished soybeans a week ago. Um, Soybeans were good to excellent in the area. you know, we generally are averages typically are in the high 60s to low 70s on soybeans in the area. And this year we had several fields that went in the upper 80s. So we had just fantastic soybeans. So, and a soybean harvest is pretty much done in this area now. All right. Most of the folks are, are moving on to corn at 80s. Uh, that is pretty impressive for soybeans out there in Lexington. Don, uh, let's talk about how demand has been for those beans. Has basis been staying strong? Yeah, basis is, is really good right now. Um, I was kind of surprised with the good crops we have, but yeah, we um, very tight basis. Um, and so uh, we're pretty fortunate. And some reason we can grow really good beans here um, this far west. It's kind of surprising how well we do. What the, what are the soil types out there at Lexington? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Sorry, what uh, what type of soils do you guys have in Lexington there in that river bottom? Uh, these are silty clay loams and uh, fairly flat. We're all irrigated um, out here. We don't get nearly enough rainfall, so we irrigate and uh, a lot of pivots and a lot of gravity both. Now, I know that the corn is next on the radar for you, Don, as you've been out there scouting fields, getting ready to nose those combines into the corn. How has it been holding up? Have you seen pretty good standability this year? I think the the yields are going to be excellent. Um, what I've talked to some neighbors who've gotten started, and uh, the yields are record yields um, in the area. Uh, we haven't gotten started to mine. 
Uh, we live on the north side of the Platte Valley, and our corn's just a little bit behind, and we're hope to start next week. Uh, right now, I've been moisture testing, and it's up yeah, close to 19, 18 to 19, and we don't have a dryer, so we really need to get a little bit drier before we start going. Now, is there anything uh, in the way of weather here over the next couple days that uh, has you concerned? I, I Not really. Um, today, we've got a front come through overnight, and it's, today it's a chilly day. It's you know, going to be high of 55 here and overcast, but um, it's going to be a good fall. Um, ground's pretty dry, so we should be uh, not have any harvest issues, I don't think. I don't see any big weathers coming in. Well, that's good to hear, Don. You know, as we think about harvest issues, of course, breakdown is always a concern. I was talking to a friend of mine had a breakdown yesterday. And the challenge this year, it sounds like, is going to be getting parts. Have you run into any shortages or, or back orders on anything you've needed to secure? We have not on ours. And, and partially, we started two years ago, we went to having everything custom harvested. And so um, I'm not directly responsible for finding the combine parts. But I've talked to some neighbors and friends who have actually had to have our local machine shop custom build pieces for them because they just weren't available anywhere in the country. And so our, we have a very good machine shop here, and they've been building lots of parts. Well, it's good to see manufacturing staying strong in rural America. Don, as you think about uh, your market for that that corn, as it starts to come out of the field, you know, you're right on I-80. You've got Kearney just down the road, Grand Island a little farther east. I mean, you're in ethanol country. Has has Have they been running the basis? Yeah, basis on ethanol plants. Uh, right now, it's a flat basis. There's zero basis on ethanol plant delivery. And uh, we deliver some to the huge amount of storage so we do actually have to deliver quite a bit to a local elevator that doesn't bend and then um, everything we bend will go to the ethanol plant over the winter and get through the spring and summer and that is good to hear don as you're thinking ahead to next year following up the bean yields that you've had with the expectation of a very good corn crop coming are you expecting to modify your your plantings this next year are you going to go more beans less corn are you looking at inputs what's on your mind yeah, we're we're studying that issue closely. We haven't pulled the trigger yet, but we are strongly looking at um, adding more beans. Typically, in my farm, we've been doing about one-third soybeans, two-thirds corn. Um, next year, maybe more of a 50-50 ratio. And then we're also adding into uh, irrigated wheat. Um, we started a little bit of a half a pivot of irrigated wheat this year, and we're going to go a full pivot next year. So this what's driving that, Don? Are you just looking at the prices? Uh, a combination of things. Uh, the prices and yields. We've This year, we ended up with about 87 bushel irrigated wheat, winter wheat, um, hard red winter. And our goal is 100. Our goal is 100. And we just missed it this year. And I think we can get it next year. So we get a good yield off of the wheat. There's a tremendous demand for... Um, this the uh, roughage products, and so we actually sold the straw off and made good money off of that. And then we drilled in a uh, crop of some millet and sorghum that we're baling. Actor swapped it just last week, and they'll be baling it. So, interesting. It's very and that, that, the rotation. 
Okay, so yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense. That millet sorghum bale, is that just uh, you're, you're selling to a local cattle feeder? Yeah, yeah, local cattle feeder bought the straw bales, and then he's also bought all the, the sorghum millet bales, and then there's some, uh, we have, we had a little bit of hail loss, scattered some wheat, so we have to say wheat, volunteer wheat growing, it's going to be our cover crop over the winter, go to corn next year. All right, always something to look forward to. Don Beatty, farmer at Lexington, Nebraska. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Certainly. You bet, Mike. And, folks, tune in tomorrow. Adams on Agriculture will return. We're going to talk with Dennis Smith about the cattle market. We'll talk about interest rates in agriculture, and we'll talk to a farmer from northern Illinois. Thanks for tuning in today, and we look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Take care. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel diesel that doesn't mess around. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. See program details at sprayearlyguarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.